You're listening to Episode 9 of the Floxy Hope Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Foxy Hope Podcast. My name is Lisa Bloomquist, and I am your host. Today, we have Rick Radcliffe on the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, Rick. Hi, Lisa. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So before we get into your journey about fluoroquinolone toxicity and all that you've been through, can you just give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do, um, all that information? Sure. Uh, I'm... uh a 62-year-old guy who uh, is married and living in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. And um, I have um, been here for the last 20 years. And uh, I've been teaching in the public school system here as a music teacher and just retired last June and play gigs on weekends. Excellent. And when did you get foxed? Well, in about a week and a half, it's coming up on my 10-year anniversary. So that would be the last week of February in 2005. I went to the doctor. I went to a uh, one of these walk-in clinics, a uh, local walk-in clinic, where I had a sinus infection, and the doctor gave me 14 days of Avalox. Woo! Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I took the Avalox for 14 days and had no reaction to it. It didn't do anything for my sinus infection because it was probably um, an allergy-based thing. And he followed it up after two weeks of Avalox with prednisone. And it wasn't until three months later that I started having, I woke up one day and went down to the tennis courts to play tennis and felt very strange. Uh, I had like balance problems and vision problems and, and fatigue. And that was the beginning of my nightmare. But it was three months after I took 14 days of Avalox. So of course I and many other people who this happens to didn't put the cause and effect together. Yeah, absolutely. How did you put those put the cause and effect together? <laughs> uh, well, uh, actually, uh, it was a, an accident. Uh, we started, you know, I started going to doctors first, a GP, and then a, a liver, a guy who was a liver specialist, and uh, and then up to USC, which is the University of South Carolina in Charleston, and after that, a neuro person. And uh, everybody, you know, took tests and uh, ran their tests to cover themselves. But all the tests show up negative. The neuro guy ran a CAT scan of my brain. The uh, liver, uh, liver biopsy came back as a fatty liver, which didn't tell us much. And um, uh, let's see, I, went, I ended up in a, with an endocrinologist uh, by November or December. Now, these symptoms started in early June. So here it was, you know, five months later, I was still still making the rounds. I went to um, the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville three times. The lead doctor that I had down there had his PhD in toxicology, Dr. Paul, and he never asked me what I took in the past year in the way of drugs or anything else. The guy with his PhD in toxicology. Uh, three visits to the Mayo Clinic turned up nothing. They had no idea what was wrong with me, uh, nor did anybody else. And I ended up uh, w- with an endocrinologist in Savannah, which is uh, an hour away from where I live here, who gave me um, uh, the um, 
he gave me the um, what is it? The uh, not the not armored thyroid, but it's the um, equivalent of it. Less. I forget what they call it, but it, it was designed to like boost my uh, thyroid hormone. And that gave me a little bit of a reprieve in how I felt. By then, my symptoms, I had a list of about 20 symptoms, you know, ranging from tremors to uh, vision problems to insomnia, um, muscle spasms, you name it, headaches. I couldn't get out of bed. You know, this was getting, uh, I had gone steadily worse, and by now it was December. So to make a long story short, Christmas Day comes, we canceled Christmas. The family wasn't coming down. Nobody knew what was the matter with me. Pat, my wife, goes upstairs on the computer and types in undiagnosed symptoms. And up comes a link or several links to several different things, one of which is a link to fluoroquinolones. So she doesn't know what that is. She clicks on it and starts reading a list of 10 symptoms, of which five or five or six were symptoms that I had. So meanwhile, at this exact same moment, uh, I was downstairs in bed taking vials of drugs out of my dresser that I had taken for the year, and I come across a vial of uh, empty vial of Avalox. She yells down to me, Rick, have you ever taken anything called Avalox? At the exact same second that I took the vial out of the dresser drawer, I said, yeah, I have it right here. Why? She said, I'll print something out. I want you to read it. And that was the start of how we discovered that, you know, I was poisoned by Avalox. Total coincidence. Right. So none of the doctors were really able to, to figure it out, despite massive testing. Like, you can't believe I, you got a liver biopsy. That's, that's right. a serious I, I, surgery. I had a liver biopsy. I had, um, uh, what's the one they, they, stick, they stick a needle in your back? Um, what's that test? Uh, that was a serious one, too. A spinal tap. That's it. Yeah. I had a tap. Uh, I, I figure that I put out, you know, roughly $15,000 in tests that weren't covered by um, my insurance. Plus, uh, at this point, I was not able to go to work. So I was, you know, completely out of work. And after 90 days, they don't uh, pay you in Beaufort County, South Carolina, if you don't show up for work. So, you know, I've missed a whole year's teaching which was roughly $50,000 salaries, plus all the, um, you know, all the extra expenses. I estimate that it cost me probably $80,000 out of pocket for this. And I suspect that other people are going through this too. And, and this, this problem of, of not being able to, you know, determine the cause of your medical problems that fluoroquinolones cause is costing is putting a burden on our health insurance system to the degree uh, I don't know what degree but it's it's got to be you know causing 20 30 percent higher medical expenses to everybody in general and uh, you know we have no way of estimating what that what it, what it, the burden is to our health insurance system but it's it's costly right have, have you thought about contacting your health insurance? Uh, provider, or have you contacted your health insurance? I, I have, yeah, I had, and uh, you know, we we went we went round and round about who was going to pay for some of these expenses. But you know, ten it was ten years ago, so I don't remember what we hammered out. But 
in the end, I did manage to get, you know, reinstated in my job, actually with a different school. And, you know, the following year uh, in 2006, as I was recovering, but I did go into a relapse right around the time that I had to start school. And I had no idea what was causing the relapse. And so I went on the Yahoo message board. Some people who were flocks back then may remember this Yahoo message board that was uh, put up um, by a guy named David Fuller. And um, everybody discussed, you know, how to help each other. And I had a bunch of people telling me to get a saliva test to check my TSH to find out if I was the you know, not uh, getting enough T3 and T4 into my into the mitochondria of my cells. So I did that, and uh, the results were interesting. The blood TSH test showed a result of 1.75, which is not all that high, not too far out of the range. Actually, it's within the range. And the saliva TSH showed a greater than 600 number where the high limit was 120. So they weren't even giving me a number. It was so high off the chart. So the riddle was, why is the blood TSH almost normal and the saliva TSH was off the chart? And a guy on the message board, the Yahoo message board, hypothesized that that what happens is the fluoroquinolone molecules attach themselves to the mitochondrial DNA and thereby stop the processes that go on in the mitochondrial DNA, which are absorption of thyroid hormone, absorption of estrogen or testosterone, and absorption of insulin. And um, what that means to you is that, you know, if you're not getting enough insulin, that means that your blood sugar is going to be high, and that um, if you're not getting enough T3 or T4, your um, whole body is going to suffer for that and you can go on stop the thyroid madness to see a list of hypothyroidism symptoms and if you're getting uh, not getting enough testosterone or estrogen there's, there's some problems that you can that come from that too uh, energy being one of them so uh, today uh, there, are, there are several things that I still take that help me uh, one is I take five milligrams of cortisol every day so that my body will be more willing to take the armor thyroid, which I take uh, about three quarters of a grain of armor thyroid every day. At one point, I was up to 3.7 grains of that. Uh, I have to watch so, what I... Uh, so, Rick, Rick are, are, those, are those two... Um, are, are those two things prescription medications or are those supplements? They are. Yes, they are. They're prescription medications. Cortisol, okay. you can't get cortisol unless you get a prescription. Okay. Sorry, sorry to, to interrupt. Yeah. Just, uh, just, just checking. Yeah. So in addition to the cortisol and the armor th thyroid, are there any other prescription medications that you're on that have helped? Uh, I take uh, a supplement of testosterone, which is called Androgel. You pump that out. It's uh, like a liquid gel, and you rub it on your shoulders if you're a guy. If you're a lady, uh, uh, then it would be estrogen would be the uh, corresponding hormone. So I guess you call it hormone treatment. 
And that, with the cortisol and the armor, uh, makes up for the fact that my mitochondria are not doing, you know, are being, there's some process in there that's being blocked by the fluoroquinolone molecules. Uh, that, to me, I, you know, I was told that that's a theory, but it seems to fit what's happened to me. It seems to match up. And, and there's, a, there's an awful lot of evidence. There's a huge amount of evidence that, that these, that fluoroquinolones damage right. mitochondria pretty, pretty yeah. severely. More, more, so, more so lately. Uh, back when this happened 10 years ago, there was hardly anybody doing any research on it. But I think nowadays uh, there's a lot more research that's come out in the last year or two. Right, enough has been has been pieced together, and it's interesting how all of these things work together. How hormones work together with with mitochondria. Um, it's certainly not something I realized before before I got floxed and before I started doing all this research. But yeah, those those systems work together, and your your um, CYP450 detoxifying mechanisms within your cells those those work with your hormones and with your mitochondria as well. And it's it's they, all it's all quite intertwined. Yeah. The, the See, the, are you talking about the, the 450 pathway in the liver? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that uh, also is regulated by thyroid. Okay. So I found out that when I started taking the thyroid, the armor thyroid, uh, my food sensitivity started to lessen and, and go away. And the, back in those days, back in 2006, when I was trying to go back to work and I was uh, in, in the middle of a, what I thought was a relapse, uh, I could only eat like four things. I could not, dare not eat out anywhere in a restaurant because you didn't know what was in the food. You know, I would just go down the drain. And um, by when I started this whole thing, it was right around Labor Day, uh, cortisol and armor thyroid. And by Thanksgiving, I was eating Thanksgiving dinner. And, and by Christmas, I was going out to restaurants. So, you know, to get that thyroid back in my system made a big difference. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge, yeah. and that's that's great that it helped you so much. Uh, what other things have have helped you, and and right. have you in the I, ten year journey? I have to watch my sugar intake because now the insulin is not being absorbed either. So I have to watch sugar intake. Uh, uh, my wife and I use stevia, stevia, and mm-hmm. a lot of the things that we cook, or she cooks, I should say. Uh, mostly she and uh, you know so instead of adding sugar to muffins for instance we add stevia Uh, instead of uh, going out and using sugar in iced tea or artificial sweetener we take packages of stevia because hardly any restaurants carry that stuff so we just take them with us Uh, another thing another thing is watch your caffeine this is what I had to do if I drink too much coffee too much caffeine uh, I feel it the next day. So I'm drinking a lot of decaf coffee these days. I have a little bit of caffeine in the morning, but that's it. And um, in the afternoon, I might make myself a decaf coffee just because I want the coffee, but I, I know I can't have the caffeine. And don't drink any soda. You know, if you're drinking, if you're drinking a can of Coke, it's got 40 grams of, of sugar in it, which is ridiculous. And it's got uh, caffeine in it, too. So, you know, if you're drinking a can of soda a day, and right there, that's enough to make you sick if you're floxed. Uh, absolutely. And there are a lot of people who are floxed who have no idea that they're floxed, and then they just keep on exacerbating the situation with drinking a Coke every day, for, for instance. Right, right. And, and 
the, the, one of the biggest things that I see with this problem is that my symptoms didn't start until three months after I took these, these, these drugs. And I'm thinking if you extrapolate that out into the general public, you know, with hundreds of thousands of prescriptions, and then people, you know, start getting things wrong with them two, a month or two months or three months or four months after they take these drugs, then nobody has any way of putting cause and effect together. And there's probably, you know, uh, of all the people that know what happened to them regarding these drugs, there's probably 10 to 20 times more people out there that don't know what happened to them, which, uh, which to me is unbelievable. You know, I, that's why I, I can't begin to estimate what kind of stress and uh, this, this stuff is doing to our healthcare system. No. Right, but you mentioned the um, the insurance companies earlier, and like you would think that it would be in their best interest to be cutting down on dangerous drugs that are causing chronic illness. But they're so entrenched in the system as well. They're so yeah. entrenched. They have they have <clears throat> so many conflicts of interest and and so many bedfellows within the within the pharmaceutical right. industry that right. that having them make the connection is, is really hard. Shoot, it's even hard for, it's hard enough for victims of these drugs to be making that connection. Um, right. my, my reaction was delayed by two weeks and I, it was difficult for me to make the connection. After three months, I don't know that, that, I, even, right. that I even would have. Three months, you, you, you forget you even took it. You right, know, you, right. You a sinus infection three months ago. Who remembers that, you know? Right, and, and who, would, who would think that an antibiotic could do this? Right, exactly. And, and that's what's different about the nature of these drugs is that they're, the, the side effects are so debilitating and permanent and long-lasting. You know, if you, if you are lucky enough to recover from it, it may take you years. You know, and most doctors think, oh, no, that's ridiculous. The, the, the antibiotics are out of your system in three weeks, you know, and they think they're crazy. But, but that's, where they, that's one aspect of where they don't know what they're talking about. And I've found that most doctors I've talked uh, about to, to about these drugs do not know about it, do not know about fluoroquinolone toxicity syndrome and don't know what it does. So, you know, I've taken it, I've taken up the cause of, if I run into a doctor, I'm going to bring it up. You know, if I go in for a colonoscopy, I talk to the, I talk to everybody about it. You know, and, and that's what we all have to do. And another thing we all have to do is everybody that has had this happen to them has to file a report with the FDA. You have to get on their website and get that form and fill it out and fax it into them. Because if they don't get... You know, if they don't hear from you, they're they're not going to know. I, and I don't even absolutely. think they're going to. They're not going to do anything. They're probably not going to do anything anyway. But we have to make sure that everybody that had this happen to them reports it. Absolutely, like it's it's really important to go through the official steps to make sure that our voices are are heard. And also, I'll I'll add to that that there are a couple of surveys that are going on right now. One through the site that I contribute to called Hormones Matter. There's a survey of fluoroquinolone adverse effects, and also there's a survey going on with um, Dr. Gollum with a uh, UCSD is conducting a survey of fluoroquinolone adverse effects. And, and that's another way that people can 
just let their voices be be heard. And uh, the Quinlone Vigilance Foundation has also uh, made a uh, call out to people asking that they write to the FDA and specifically tell them their stories about the adverse effects caused by fluoroquinolones and and how and, and basically urging the FDA to add mitochondrial toxicity to the warning labels. And once mm -hmm. mitochondrial toxicity gets added to the warning labels, then people will make the connections between fluoroquinolones and uh, neurodegenerative diseases and all sorts of diseases that have to do with, with mitochondrial dysfunction. So that's, that's a huge, huge step that we very much need to happen. So... Um, I'm right with you, Rick. Urging people to to contact the FDA and make your yeah. make your voice heard in whatever in whatever way you can. Tell your story on blogs. Um, yeah. Let me know if people want to be on the on the Foxy Hope podcast. And and I certainly appreciate you speaking up on this podcast, Rick, and and making your voice your voice heard. It's it's important. Well, it's been my pleasure, Lisa, and uh, thank you for organizing this podcast because without that, I wouldn't be able to tell my story. Yeah, it's a, uh, well, you know, mutual appreciation for, for sure. Yeah. So, so the things that helped you are basically adjusting your diet, cutting out caffeine and sugar. Um, are there any other dietary adjustments that you made that you'd like to note? <clears throat> no, I think uh, we, oh yeah, uh, definitely now that I think of it, yeah, uh, I could not tolerate soy. And uh, when I first uh, uh, realized what happened to me back in January of 2006, after six months of running around to doctors and not getting any answers, uh, I read the Phlox report written by a guy named Teo, Teo Boomer, which is listed somewhere in the uh, fluoroquinolone archives on, in Facebook. Somebody told me that. But he was a Spanish guy who... Uh, studied 41 people over in Europe who had traced their problems to fluoroquinolones, and he wrote in his report that people who are floxed cannot usually tolerate soy. So I thought to myself, okay, let me start reading labels and see if I can cut out soy. That was the first thing I did in January of 2006. And lo and behold, in two weeks' time, I started feeling better, and I knew I was on the right track. Uh, I had, when I went out, when I, what I had to do was I had to read labels like crazy in, in the grocery store because little did I know at the time that soy is in almost everything. Any processed food, soy yeah. is in. It's in soup. It's in salad dressing. It's in uh, chocolate, soy lecithin. It's in bread. It's in all bread. It's in almost all cake. Um, I can't even begin to tell you where I found soy. It's in everything. And I'd say it's in 95% of everything we eat. So, right, you know, I, I managed to, to figure out about four different meals I could eat, and I just started rotating them uh, that didn't have soy in them, that were probably organic. And uh, one was, one was uh, chili that my wife made out of chopped turkey. One was maverick pork. One was... Uh, organic chicken legs that I got from Fresh Market. And, you know, I just ate these things all year long for like four meals. Every, you know, that's all I was eating, four meals. And, and by, re, by taking the soy out of my diet, I started recovering. And, you know, in about two or three months' time, I knew I was on the right track. And then as I started doing more things, all of a sudden I started feeling worse again. And that was because 
I started putting a bigger burden on my adrenals and, and, and uh, my thyroid, you know, because I was back to becoming active. And that led to finding out that I needed armor thyroid and, and cortisol. And ultimately that, when I started taking that, it, you know, got me back on track. The effects so, that soy had on you really make sense with the thyroid connection and the hormonal connection because soy is estrogenic. Yeah. And right. and and it all it all fits together. Like it all it yeah. all certainly it all certainly but makes sense once the, you start at digging. The time, at the time it was a big puzzle and you know and it took months to figure out, but but now that I look back on it, yeah, I mean if I was a, a nutritionist and a, a doctor at the same time, I might have been able to figure it out in a month or two, but God, who thinks of these things? Right. Like, it's absolutely absurd that an antibiotic would do this in the first place. And then, and then the, the feed forward and the feedback loops and just how everything works together and how, it, and how one thing will help one person and not help another person. You know, like, it would be, it'd be really nice if there were, there were some sort of um, definitive, this helps every single Floxy yeah. type of right. prescription. But I don't think but, we, we know that quite yet. Uh, but one thing, though, uh, I've found, though, in talking to a lot of people, is a lot of people can't tolerate soy. If they find out, you know, they they cut out soy, they'll feel probably better. If you're if you're having a, you know, you're you're in a uh, a place where you're not feeling well at all, and God, I've been I was there for a long time. Uh, try cutting out soy and wheat, uh, because I've found that a lot those two things really you know, are common to a lot of people. Um, absolutely. Anything else you want to mention of tips and tricks? I mean, you've certainly been dealing with this for, for no, a long time, for 10 I years. Don't have, I don't have any other tips and tricks. Just, uh, you know, uh, in my case, it was the, the cortisol and armor and, uh, and the dietary things like um, watching caffeine, watching uh, soy and wheat, and watching sugar. Yep. And the only other thing, the only other thing I could mention is there's a lot of there's there is a school of thought out there that says that uh, fluoride poisoning had something to do with what happened to us, and so uh, because of that, in 2006, I decided I was going to cut out fluoride, and so all I drink are, is distilled water. I don't drink tap water, and I don't use fluoride toothpaste. So I use um, Tom's of Maine non-fluoride toothpaste. I thought, well, better to be safe, you know, and cut that part, cut fluoride out. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so how are you feeling now? I feel good now. I, I, uh, one, one thing, I was very lucky. I was not affected with the musculoskeletal problems that a lot of people have. And uh, uh, as I recovered in 2006, I could go back out and play tennis. Uh, I know that's not, I was very lucky with that. That's not the case with a lot of people that have the joint and tendon problems. Uh, I had 20 other problems, but I didn't have that, thankfully. So, uh, uh, and I found that when I do play tennis, you know, uh, two hours at a clip, uh, it, somehow that that oxygenates your, your cells and, and helps you feel a little bit better for a day and a half or so. So if you're able to get on a treadmill or if you're able to get out and walk, uh, I would recommend that too. You know, get your cells oxygenated. 
And um, uh, I'm, I just re- I went back to school after being floxed. Uh, I got a job in a middle school here in, in the uh, Beaufort County School District and worked for eight years in a middle school and just retired last June. And uh, I still go out and play gigs on weekends and uh, play, do my tennis thing and generally active. So uh, you can, there is recovery from it. You just have to, uh, you just have to, I, in my case, I have to manage it. That's, that's great. I'm, I'm really glad that you've, that you've recovered and congratulations. It's, it's a long road. And it's yeah. a and it's a rough and brutal and brutal road and and certainly yours was not was not easy so so uh, thank you for for sharing with everyone what what has what what has helped um, when we were talking Thanks. earlier you you also said something about uh, encouraging people to not rely on validation from doctors do you want to um, go over that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, I've noticed in reading a lot of posts in, in Facebook and other places that people say, you know, they, they, they express a lot of frustration with their doctor doesn't believe them and their doctor doesn't know and their doctor humiliated them. And, and what I could say to that is uh, there, there was a point uh, in my history of recovery where, or actually before I realized what happened to me, when I was going around to doctors in late 2005, I realized that at some point, maybe it was by November or December, I'd been going around for four or five months that doctors were not going to be able to help me with whatever it was I had or whatever my problem was. And then when, when I discovered the problem, I realized why. Fluoroquinolone toxicity is not in their diagnostic paradigm. They are not looking for it. They ain't looking for it, folks. And because they are not looking for it, they're not going to find the cause of your problems. So I, I, at the same time, I realize there are reasons why you should go to a doctor, you know, maybe to get tests done and to rule out certain things. But if you are looking for validation from a doctor, uh, you have about a 20 to 1 chance that it's not going to happen. You know, you may luck out and find a doctor that's willing to listen or, um, or a doctor that actually knows about this would be even more rare. But um, in my case, what I did was I went, you know, with my saliva test in my hand to a doctor that was recommended to me by a gal that was doing acupuncture on me, uh, which I don't think helped me that much, but it may help other people. And she said, try this guy, Dr. Sack, his name was, on Hilton Head Island. And he, when I went into his office, he listened to my story and he said, okay, let's try it. He was, uh, much to his credit, willing to try something and willing to help me. So um, that's, you know, that was how I got my prescription medicine, uh, you know, rather, rather than having to convince somebody and beg for it. You know, the guy just, uh, the doctor just said, okay, yeah, let's try it. And, uh, and it worked out. And it, it was it was what I needed to help me recover in the fall of 2006. So my my journey through recovery has been kind of up and down. But by 2007 2008, I was it was well established that thyroid and the cortisol was helping me, and uh, I just had to watch all my sugar and caffeine and all that. But it, getting back to the doctor thing, uh, please do not feel discouraged if you are not getting validation from your doctor very unlikely that that is going to happen. 
and uh, do what I do. If you run into anybody in the medical field, tell them, you know, tell them about, tell them your story and, and ask them if they know about the problem with fluoroquinolone. Right, and most of them don't. And, yeah. and if you find some doctors who are willing to just, just listen to what you have to say, um, you know, they might not acknowledge it the first time they hear it, but maybe the second time they hear it, it'll start, it'll start to ring a bell. Maybe the third time they'll read something online uh, that, that says, that connects the dots for them. And they'll start to be more careful with fluoroquinolones or maybe even stop prescribing fluoroquinolones altogether. Maybe they'll even make the connections between fluoroquinolones and a lot of the multi-symptom chronic illnesses that are out there, these mystery diseases that, right. have, I, that have been on the rise since the late 80s. And guess what came about in the late 80s? That's when these drugs started to be mass marketed. Right, like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. I happen to think that those are caused by drugs and probably a lot by fluoroquinolones. I, I agree completely. I think that everyone with fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome is poisoned on some level. Not all of them have been poisoned by fluoroquinolones. There are multiple causes of um, both chronic fatigue syndrome slash ME and fibromyalgia. And I certainly don't think that they're all fluoroquinolones, but a lot of people have been exposed to fluoroquinolones who have those, who have those diseases. And the delayed reactions just make it really tough to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, um, so that's uh, that. That's great. I'm, I'm really appreciative that you were able to come on to the podcast and and share your your years of knowledge and insight. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? I can't think of anything else, Lisa. Thanks. I I think I've talked uh, enough. I I. Uh, I think that I've covered just about everything that I wanted to. And thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate you doing all that you do. Well, um, it's, it's my pleasure, Rick. It's the, it's the least I can, I can do. And everyone who's listening, thank you so much for listening. Please do help us spread the word about fluoroquinolone toxicity. Share this podcast. Share um, articles that you see online about fluoroquinolone toxicity far and wide. Uh, what we need to do is scream about this. And another little reminder, as Rick said, to file a report with the FDA and also to take the surveys that are out there. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Great day.